there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 73. This is Sunday, December 18, 2016. And today's guest is Dr. Janine Jordan, who is a champion of the organ and its music. She has traveled throughout the U.S. and the world, promoting and sharing organ music through her innovative concerts. As a professional organist, she enjoys a varied career. Besides concertizing and recording, Janine has held university teaching positions and has served in a variety of positions in church music ministry. She is also the president and founder of ProMotion Music, a company celebrating the world of the organ. Dr. Jordan was awarded the Doctor of Musical Arts degree in Organ Performance and Music History from the University of Oregon, where early American organist was the subject of her dissertation. The study led to further research and collaboration with media artist, her husband David Jordan, to create From Sea to Shining Sea. David Jordan, a skilled pianist with a Master of Music's degree in composition from Ball State University, is also a media artist, uh, whether creating the visual portions of the promotion music concert multimedia events, reimagining photographs. His work inspires and mesmerizes its viewers. His work guides you through the programs uh, with images, videos, and live cameras following Janine and her incredible expertise on the organ. Uh, he helps the audience experience the story in the moment, hearing the music, seeing the images, and simultaneously feeling the pulse of the space in which the image existed. His multimedia approach is simply an extension of what he likes to experience every day of his life an awareness of everything going on around him in the moment. The Jordans are the creators and performers of the live organ and multimedia concert events Bach and Sons, celebrating the life and times of Johann Sebastian Bach and his family, From Sea to Shining Sea, the story of the organ and its music in the colonies and new United States, and around the world in 80 minutes, featuring global repertoire by native composers. In this conversation, we will find out everything about Janine and David's multimedia organ concerts. Let's go to the show. So, Janine, I'm so delighted uh, we're doing this conversation. I was following your work online for quite a few years now, and I'm so um, excited to be able to talk to you about those things that you do, those multimedia organ demonstrations and variety of them right now, right? You're such a creative person and such a generous individual, and I'm so happy that we're meeting uh, now uh, uh, online and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to meet you finally. I've uh, watched your work online as well and so this is a great time to uh, share ideas and learn from you as well. Excellent. Uh, you know our listeners uh, from all over the world uh, will be very very curious to know how you first um, fell in love with the organ. Do you remember the story? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, in fact, uh, since Christmas is coming up, it has to do with Christmas. 
as a child, as a six-year-old child, I wrote a letter to Santa Claus, which requested that I not only get a doll and some dishes, but an organ as well. So <laughs> I have been wanting an organ in my home since I was six years old. <laughs> wow, that's that's quite a story. Let's back up a little bit because uh, I imagine not every child at six years old of age, right, would would want uh, from a from a Santa a pipe organ, right? Uh, what led? Uh, what sparked this uh, initial uh, excitement uh, for the organ with you, Janine? Well, I belong to a church in a very small town in western Kansas for your international listeners. That's right in the middle of the United States, pretty remote area. And But our church had a very big pipe organ, and we had a wonderful organist there. And I could go up after the service and stand at this little gate. The organ was kind of in a gate, gated area, and watch mrs ellington play the organ and i just fell in love with it right then <laughs> and um, ever since then learning to play the organ and then as i became an adult sharing the organ with as many people around the world as i could has been my passion and continues to be I see, Janine. So exciting! At six years old, you you were introduced to this grand instrument, right? Um, did you see the insights of it? Maybe bellows, maybe action, the pipework, or just uh, the keyboards? I never saw the inside of a pipe organ for many, many years. Even though this one, you know, I could have. But no one ever introduced me to the workings of a pipe organ until probably I was in high school. So it was just the keyboards. It was a three-manual instrument, and the pipe display was magnificent, I thought, as a youngster. And actually, I went back there many, many years later and played a couple of concerts, and it's, it's a very fine instrument. So it was just something that I was introduced to this instrument as a child, and then this piano teacher, Mrs. Ellington, when I was in fourth grade, she said, your legs are long enough, you should think about taking up the organ, learning to play it, because you can make money. You can make money playing the organ. You can have a church job, mm -hmm. and you can support yourself to go to college, and so you should take up the organ. This is as a fourth grader. So by the time I was in sixth grade, I started playing the organ thanks to her and never kind of left piano in the background after that and uh, that became my life's passion to play the organ. Amazing story Janine. Just imagine what would would have happened if somebody really would have shown you the insights of the pipe organ that yeah. early, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe you would have um uh, become uh, an organ builder, right? Maybe or, or, I would have. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still more interested in playing it than how an organ works. I now know all of that, and I'm curious about, especially pipe organs and trackers, because I had a tracker built for my home at one point. Um, so I'm very, I understand how they work, but still... I'm more interested in the sounds they create and the music I can create using those sounds. Mm -hmm. So, but it would have been interesting had I been a child and 
seen the workings, whether I would have gone off into that organ building path. Did you play piano also at that time? Yes, I played piano all through college. I had a you know double major, piano and organ, but organ was my instrument. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So once I finished college, though, and went to graduate school, organ was the primary instrument, and I still play and teach piano, mm -hmm. but uh, organ. I'm an organist, <laughs> not a pianist. <laughs> oh, Janine, tell us what was your first organ piece that you played? Do you remember? My first organ piece, I think, was the little C major prelude and fugue. That was... Oh, this is difficult piece for the beginner, right? Yeah. A lot of... Yeah. Uh, especially I, my, the fugue. I had a classically trained uh, organ teacher, mm -hmm. and she started off because I had enough keyboard facility. The, um, you know, the keyboard part wasn't difficult, and that uh, prelude, anyway, uses just a few pedal notes. So probably it was the G minor, actually, of the little eight preludes. Mm. G minor is, is, is easy enough, especially the prelude. The right, fugue just is, the prelude. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. The fugue is a little more advanced, but very good. Um, very good. I, I like especially this entire collection because it sort of uh, develops your technique and musicianships. Uh, it, it's very pedagogical, right? Mm -hmm. Very. I use them a lot because they're they're shorter. They give you a microcosm or give that student a microcosm of Bach's uh, compositional style. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for them to, instead of, you know, tackling one of the great preludes and fugues, where, you know, to learn one of those long pieces is daunting for a, a, a novice organist. But to learn these little eight preludes and fugues, they've learned a different style of compositional technique through all of them. And then they can graduate to the bigger pieces. And Janine, was it uh, challenging for you to, to start playing um, those pieces? Um, or was it, you know, not so much straightforward? Um, because, of course, you were a pianist at the time, too. So, right. Right. No, it wasn't. Um, I don't remember it as daunting. Mm -hmm. I can still remember riding my bike and uh, thinking about how to make the trill a measured trill in some of those <laughs> pieces and I can still remember that pattern of pedaling the bike and you know da 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 da, -da, -da <laughs> how to make my fingers move in that trill so there are lots of great uh, like you say they're great pedagogical pieces they were great pieces for me to learn first but the other thing I also learned immediately to play was hymns because I started playing for church as soon as I started playing the organ I don't know about in your country, but here, anytime you can find somebody who wants to play and can play hymns, you pretty much are called to a church job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very good skill to to have, right? To to mm -hmm. say read the hymns in in four parts, even with pedals, right. if you can. Then then you are basically qualified to to start playing the next Sunday, basically. At That's least, it. <laughs> at least to begin with, right? Of course, you need right. prelude and postlude, but but mm -hmm. not necessarily at first, right? Right. So the hymn playing was the important thing, but I also had grown up in that church or in a church, and I'd been playing hymns on the piano since I can remember. And so to transfer again to the organ was a natural, natural thing to do. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, I don't remember it ever as being difficult, just something I wanted to do and loved doing. 
Who were your greatest mentors, uh, Janine, at that time, after after your first piano teacher? Well, it was my probably my second organ teacher, and she was the organ instructor at uh, Kansas State University, Marion Pelton, mm-hmm. and she's been my inspiration since that time. She's probably my the biggest inspiration because she she was so creative in her teaching. She wanted me to think about more than the black dots on the page, that there was so much to it. And to create a picture when I played this music, to not just play notes, mm-hmm. but but to present a picture, present a story to your listeners. Oh, you, she, you mentioned the word story, and it connects you, uh, <sighs> this, you to your entire work you're doing today, right? You're doing storytelling right. events right. today. and um, Everything is about a story. Yeah, uh-huh. That's where it started, right? That's where it started with Miss Pelton. And she was also a photographer, so she would often set up pictures that she had taken on the organ music desk, and we would talk about the picture, the visual, and how that might relate. And she loved going to Europe and taking pictures of European cathedrals and organs. Mm -hmm. So even way before I'd ever been to Europe to see any of these great instruments, I had those pictures in my mind that Bach played this organ, and it would sound like this. You know, I never knew what the sound would be until, you know, recordings and being able to actually go play them. But I had the visual I knew what they were yeah, since it, I started organ lessons, basically. So, A picture is worth a thousand words, right? Or a thousand notes. <laughs> or notes, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, whenever I, I think of you and your multimedia presentations, I always think that you are such a great communicator, right? You're not only playing the music, right, and the notes, right. which, which is beautiful in itself. But it's not enough mm-hmm. sometimes, right? You, you uh, mix with visuals and with storytelling so that Story. people would, would uh, appreciate and get deeper and deeper into what you're doing. So that's where it all started, your curiosity with storytelling, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, the second teacher who was also very much like uh, Miss Pelton was Guy Beauvais. And oh. you probably oh. know Guy Beauvais. I studied with Guy for a couple of years working on my doctorate degree. He was in residence in at the University of Oregon. And he, too, is a storyteller and one who wants to get beyond the notes. And I still have the music I studied with him where he drew little cartoon figures on my music to help me remember to tell a story and not just play the black dots. So, and as you know, Guy is quite eccentric and exciting and very uh, uh, he captures your attention <laughs> when you work with him but he's also a stickler with detail and performance practice so got a lot uh, when I studied with Guy so probably Miss Pelton and then Guy Beauvais in later years was a, a great mentor Amazing. Guy Beauvais was in Vilnius, in, in my town, and uh, maybe eight years ago, played a magnificent recital in, on the largest pipe organ in Lithuania, where I work, St. John's Church. The f- church was full-packed, you know, and oh. uh, and that was the probably the only time that 
the church was packed during the organ concert. Actually, the first time. Uh, the second time was during a rock concert that I played myself with a rock band. But the oh, first time was right. Kibove. Yeah. Uh, Guy is a fascinating individual and a fabulous player. Yeah. So I can imagine it was packed to hear him. <laughs> and very generous person, too. He, he was yeah. a guest on this podcast, too, a, a number of uh, months ago. Oh, he was? Yeah. Well, great. We talked about his life story as, as well. Amazing. Yeah, he has a lot of life stories. <laughs> yes. You're amazing. So, so Janine, um, uh, how did you became, become interested into creating those uh, multimedia events yourself? Of course, um, you said uh, uh, there was an inspiration from your mentors and the storytelling, but, but uh, how did it all started and... In, in uh, you thought, oh, I, this idea might work, right? In, in, a, right. in, in a regular concert, I could uh, introduce the slides and storytelling. But at first, it was a very new and novel thing, right? So yes. Can you tell us about the background? Well, it's still a very new and novel thing. Um, people are still pretty much uh, in a mold or a box, shall we say, about what an organ concert should be. It should be the performer coming out and playing and maybe speaking a little with some program notes. But uh, this came about actually with Guy. I did my uh, doctoral study and dissertation on early American organists and organ building and organs of the time. So I had all of these stories. I actually did research to find the stories of the people who were playing the instruments in early America. And then I was asked by the American Guild of Organists for a regional convention to present a program on organ and using media. In my part of the world, I'm kind of known as somebody who will go outside the box and do something a little different. So they asked me to do that, and I signed the contract, not knowing what I was going to do. <laughs> and... Uh, my husband was starting to study media at the same time and how to use media in presentation. So he was doing some schooling and coaching in that area. So I thought, oh, in uh, 10 months, I've got to come up with a concert that uses media. So the two of us started working together and I started with my dissertation and all of the stories I had about early American organists and the music I had discovered, which not a lot of people play the early American organ music. And that became our first first concert. So it was thanks to the AGO saying, Janine, would you do this concert? And I just said yes without knowing what I would do and then had to get creative. <laughs> and it, it was very exciting to put together. It uh, took us that full... 10, 12 months to put it together because I had a lot of ideas, but again, nobody had ever done it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just um, progressed from there and gotten far more sophisticated as we've gone along. Um, we started out just with more like a PowerPoint, but it was integrated with my playing and talking. But now we have five, six cameras on me so we have on the pedal board, on the keyboards from above, and on me as the narrator. 
And then David integrates all of that with these incredible visual images to take you to early America or to Boxland uh, uh, area or mm-hmm. around the world, like our new program is going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, Janine, it's such a groundbreaking work you're doing, right? You're not pl- only playing the best of the organ repertoire, but you're presenting in a completely mind-blowing way. It's like a movie, right? People right. are experiencing uh, you from six different angles, plus uh, pictures, visuals, stunning images. Um, I think uh, this kind of experiences uh, you're providing for people will last a lifetime, don't you think? Well, that's our that's my passion. That's my goal, that it's something that hopefully will last a lifetime, but will also get people to come back and hear another organ concert, yeah. to, to go uh, look at an organ, see if the organist will take them up into the chambers to create some kind of excitement for the organ in a different way. We need a different way, and people are so visual in today's world. Mm-hmm. They really... Uh, need to have something that brings them to an organ concert. So uh. exactly for a specialized audience, let's say organist during um, a AGO convention or a conference, they would st- <laughs> sit still and focused and listen to I don't know very difficult advanced music like Messian, uh, yes. like uh, very. Easily, right? Because they came there for a reason. But mm-hmm. for an individual who maybe uh, is listening to the organ sounds for the first time, what you're doing is really a curiosity starter, right? You're just right. introducing them to to the enormous and uh, very old and broad way world of the pipe organ, right? Seven centuries old or more uh, of the repertoire itself, at least. So, so after the event, this person who maybe with ignited curiosity will start looking up then some of the names you played, right? And will dis- start discovering entire new world. That's that's what I hope. Yes. And I hope, and it's amazing how many organists themselves are discovering entire new worlds, too. Mm-hmm. It's interesting with our Bach and Son show, of course, all of us organists have played Bach and Bach and Bach. But a lot of organists come up to me afterwards and say, for the first time, I understand Bach as a person, as a man as a family man, as somebody who had trials, tribulations, and yet created this incredible music. And so they are blown away by that aspect of the show and then go, I really should look at my music in a different way. When I think of Bach in Weimar, and he was composing, you know, under duress, the liturgical year, Oh, how about that? <laughs> it brings it sheds new light on all those notes we've played for all those years. So it's interesting the organist's reaction as well as those who are brand new to the organ. Or, for example, when Bach was traveling, right, uh, with his count and uh, came back uh, to his town, his first wife was buried, right? She died for unknown reasons. It was a heartbreaking, probably, experience for him, but he Mm -hmm. didn't... uh, He survived and he moved on and uh, still kept creating. Uh, It's it's a great inspiration for anybody who, who experiences such a tragedy and loss. 
right? And he had so many tragedies and losses to lose nine children also, <laughs> plus the wife. And uh, we do have that particular moment in the show where um, I tell that story from the perspective of his daughter, the loss of her mother and the, her father coming home to she's the wife being the dead or has died and has been buried so yeah we tell that story it's a very somber very moving uh, part of the the show and in fact i played uh, we did the show in dornheim germany at the bach wedding church mm -hmm. st bartholomew and uh, they have a bach scholar who has been instrumental in the uh, renewing that little church and making it available for the public and he told me afterward with tears this very german german man you know very stout sturdy man and he said he was one who said i also now understand bach as a man as a person mm -hmm. so here is a great scholar i was very nervous about playing in front of him in fact and and uh, because he knows so much about bach and uh, yet he came up with that comment as well Janine, I like uh, the way you change, um, uh, change change angle and perspective and start uh, uh, talking from the daughter's right point of view mm -hmm. uh, during the show. It's like uh, reading a good book, right? Basically, sometimes authors um, change points of view uh, regularly and on purpose. Are you a writer yourself too, Janine? Well, I have written down stories of my life as an organist, mm -hmm. and it's a little book called On the Heels of an Organist, and they're just short page or two-page anecdotes about various funny, sometimes poignant, sometimes very trying moments in the life of an organist. Mm -hmm. So that's the only writing I've done except for my newsletters, my blogs, all of the things that we we write to help people understand what we're trying to do and our, about our passion. Well, that's that's exactly the point. You cannot be a good st storyteller, right? Uh, unless you you think think what would move people, right? What would change them? What would help them understand what you're trying to? To achieve here and you are doing such a terrific job Janine no well thank you very much <laughs> so Janine how how are children reacting to your demonstrations and multimedia events are you doing for example something for school children or even smaller audiences we have not been able to do that mm -hmm. at this point But we have had children as young as four years old um, in attending our shows, and they have been mesmerized mm -hmm. because it's visual. Yeah. And see me on the screen talking to them as a character, and then they hear this great music. But it's not just that they're hearing the music from a static organist up front or in the balcony. But David has the cameras which show my feet and hands. And that, for most people, seeing an organist's feet is what they, they comment on most. And it's amazing how many people who have attended this church where we're performing for 30 years, say, come up to me afterwards and say, does our organist use her feet? They don't know. They don't know what their own organist does every Sunday and the work of an organist, and they're fascinated by it. And so 
children especially are fascinated by all of the visual, mm -hmm. unlike just attending a, an hour and a half organ concert where they can't see anything, can't see any movement. Mm -hmm. It's the visual part, I think, that captures the attention of the young people. Yeah, and uh, sometimes uh, uh, for events like that, we, we can even contact, um, I don't know, um, music teachers in schools, right, to to get them interested uh, in uh, bringing entire group of children a class right for a special presentation like this we've done that in Lithuania uh, quite successfully for various ages of people of uh, starting from uh, kindergartners basically up to teenagers and older and uh, of course you accommodate and adjust your content and, and your storytelling um, um, delivery because uh, kindergartners will, will <laughs> want uh, or wait for one thing to do or, or teenagers will be fascinated by another thing but that's possible too right mm. well we I have very successfully worked with uh, the local piano teachers guilds at a couple of concerts at, with the Bach show and they've had their students work on Bach repertoire prior to the concert. They've had them do research. And then one group uh, made big posters about Bach, which they were then displayed in the narthex of the church. And following the, con then they were handing out programs and whatnot. But afterwards, then they played their Bach pieces at the reception following. So we have had that experience at a couple of our venues mm -hmm. um, to bring in kids. And that's been great. I wish, you know, more of our concert hosts would would take that on and, <laughs> and actually make that happen. But exactly. So, uh, so Janine, um, when you play those events, uh, some do you get feedback like, uh, oh, I didn't know our organ could, could play like that, uh, those kind oh, of yeah. sounds? All the yes. time, right? Probably all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think of that as a church organist myself. Am I on every Sunday just using pistons one through eight, or am I being creative with my own congregation? I think sometimes as church organists we get kind of set in a rut, and we forget to use all those beautiful sounds our instruments do have. Mm -hmm. So when you come in as a concert organist, you don't know what their church organist has been doing. So you set up everything. You know, I always try to use every sound on the instrument somehow, if it's usable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, often you get exactly that comment. Oh, I've never heard our organ sound like that. Or, oh, I didn't know that sound was on there. <laughs> it's like an orchestra, right, basically? Yeah. Especially... Especially if you play transcriptions, for example, from orchestral pieces, um, I and my wife Oshra we play for four hands, and and transcriptions then become much easier to achieve. So then, yeah, in one particular church, I remember it was a village church, very tiny wooden church in Lithuania. I remember uh, an, an elderly woman came up to to us and said. Oh, it was like a symphony orchestra. I never knew our little village organ can do these things. So so we look for those experiences too. Yes, yeah. Look for ways to show that organ in a new way for that community, for that church or for the community as a whole. That's that's what I want. People to come back and hear it again. 
Yes. You know what? Another another thing what uh, s- such uh, creative multimedia events can do in the future, in in the long run, besides sparking uh, interest, more interest into organ music, uh, maybe renewing renewed interest into the pipe organ in general for that church, for example, if it needs. Uh, uh, refurbishing or restoration this mm-hmm. kind of con- congregation uh, who or which which heard this event became so interested and passionate that maybe in the long run they would start advocating for the uh, a impending uh, basically renovation of the organ and that mm-hmm. might happen uh, on one occasion in Lithuania where we played. I just uh, also uh, found out that one wooden village church organ got restored. And I don't know, ah. was it because of, of our demonstration or not, which was called Meet the King of Instruments, of course. But but I, I like to think maybe it was some a little, it it played a small yeah. part in that, you know. I'm sure you did, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, to uh, have people come meet the instrument, because mm-hmm. many people have never seen the instrument up close, um, have no idea what their church organ even is or what it could sound like. So I'm sure your concert surely did spark an interest in someone's mind to, to get it restored, to help make it even better. Yes. Uh, so, Janine, uh, what's your, what's your uh, favorite... Um, I don't know uh, multimedia uh, event that you're doing. You're doing three, right now? Uh, right. Bach and Sons, uh, f- Bach. F- from sea uh, to sh- to sea, right? And then around the world in in uh, eighty minutes, right? And wh- right. which one is your favorite, Janine? Today? <laughs> uh, it, it's a stupid question. <laughs> it's a stupid question. It's like asking uh, about your kid, right? Which one is your favorite? Yeah. <laughs> Which kid is your favorite? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one I'm playing at the moment is exactly. my favorite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the music I'm playing at the moment. Um, you know, I'm passionate about the American music because organists do not know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I love to share, um, that early American music, because I discovered, I found a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But then who can't be passionate about Bach? I mean, the music there is so... Um, I pl- try to start the Bach show with the D minor Toccata just because those who have never been to an organ concert may have heard that piece somewhere in their consciousness. But then I also end with the St. Anne Fugue. So there's it kind of builds to that great piece at the end. That is probably my all-time favorite piece in all the repertoire I play is the St. Anne Fugue by Bach. Oh, the triple fugue, right? The triple fugue, right? Mm-hmm. I Beautiful. love that. Uh, and the very E-pop. challenging to play, but um, probably unforgettable experience to listen to. Right, and then there's the new show, mm-hmm. um, "Around the World" with eight, in eighty minutes. I have had so much fun getting the repertoire together for that show. Um, I had composers from Australia and New Zealand, and I'm. Uh, who sent pieces to me, and I'm trying to do only music that is by a composer from a particular country composing on an indigenous folk song for him. And so I don't want a composer from um, Brazil, say, composing a prelude and fugue. Mm 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, unless that happens to be based on a folk tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been very interesting to come up with the music, and I have found some incredibly uh, different music than I was expecting, and it's taken me out of my box, and I'm exploring different sounds, like a Lebanese piece uh, on Lebanese folk songs by Najee Hakim. Now, that's, um, I think that one's really becoming a favorite of that show because, again, the rhythms and the, the scale patterns that it's based on are so different to my ears than what I'm playing at present. Um, and then um, the little the piece from uh, Australia is based on a folk tune, and it's a setting by Robert Amp, who is a Sydney Town Hall organist. I see. And the piece has a great story. It's a storyline about... Uh, it's a folk melody that comes from World War II about a pub that ran out of beer. So, again, it's out of the church consciousness and into, you know, something totally, totally different mm-hmm. for me. So this uh, new show is quite exciting, and I'm getting all the notes in my fingers. Our, uh, our first show is January 28th for a West Coast introduction, and then our world premiere is uh, April 26th in Ohio, which again is in the middle of the United States. Yeah. So, and how many how many uh, pieces are in this program around the world um, so far? So far, 17. I had to ask David. Yeah, 17, 17 pieces at the moment. So every uh, continent is represented probably, right? Yes, except for Antarctica. Yes. <laughs> Six of the seven continents are represented. And we start and we go to England. And then we have several stops in Europe. We go to Lagos, Nigeria. Um, uh, then we go to Lebanon and Israel. Then to Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, Brazil. And then we end back in the United States with a setting by George Shearing, who is a jazz composer of Amazing Grace, just because that transcends, that's pretty much worldwide tune people know. And uh, then I end with uh, America, Mm -hmm. which is an American tune, but yet it's the tune for about six or eight national anthems around the world, which I didn't know until I started the research. So... So that's where we visit at the moment. And David's visuals are incredible, taking you there on very fast ways of transportation. But once he gets to that country, all of the, like in Mexico, uh, the tune is actually La Bamba, which is a very famous dance tune (laughs) and a great organ arrangement of La Bamba. And so he's got the actual peasant pictures and videos of the peasants doing this dance. And so takes you right there it's it's going to be very exciting and we're working hard to get that january 28th premiere uh under our fingers <laughs> right it's of course challenging to to haven't haven't been um 
studied and performed, uh, you know, uh, across the globe, this particular um, uh, program, right? And to feel this excitement of, of the premiere coming up, right? Yeah. Whereas <laughs> your Bach and, Bach and Sons program, for example, you probably can, can do this in the middle of the night, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We probably can do either of the first two shows. First two yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are really comfortable, and yet we're constantly looking to add to or change those in ways to make them better. Because over the 10 years we've been doing these shows, technology for David has changed dramatically. And so, he, and we have added cameras and added so much to the visual portion of the show. My portion of the first two shows, the music's remained the same. What's exciting for me is, of course, like you, playing a different instrument, instrument and using yeah. all the colors of the instrument. The story remains the same. It's just hopefully I'm getting better at telling the story. So, uh, but this new one, yeah, we're right on the edge of huh, getting it all put together. <laughs> uh, since technology is so um, directly connected with creativity today right and mm -hmm. it, it sometimes uh, takes uh, only the click of one button basically you don't even need to be a engineer to understand how it works uh, here's an idea for David for example uh, have you tried um, have you tried to do a live broadcast of your of your event we are working on it yeah and like, if you have any ideas to help us by all means, that's what we're, you know, would be the next mm -hmm. next step in what we're doing. Because uh, not only listeners uh, in the room would be able to join in, right? But also right. from across the globe, of course, you would need to announce it some way on your blog right. or on Facebook or somewhere else that on January something, right, uh, you will mm -hmm. be presenting it live, right? And... Um, but then it's very exciting to to see people join in from Brazil, from Europe, from Canada, from Australia. And, and you know, uh, there are several ways to do this. May, perhaps the most popular right now is uh, um, Periscope, owned by Twitter. Yes. Periscope. 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 Yeah, Periscope. Periscope, owned by Twitter. And uh, the way it works... Um, you broadcast it through your phone, basically, through your phone. Uh, of course, the data usage uh, would be enormous on, on a 90-minute event, right? But if right. you have a f uh, Wi-Fi in that area, then it would be okay. And ah. you, yes, you, you have to have some kind of unlimited... Um, internet uh, high-fi uh, high high-speed internet to work that because right. you want to for people to to not only see things but but hear and hear well enough so that in understand but you know what is exciting to see if, if for example david or somebody else is uh, sitting and uh, uh, filming this thing and uh, uh, you can even see how many people are joining in b because when mm. one person sees this on their feed on Twitter because it broadcast broadcasted directly to Twitter then their friends are also uh, seeing the same feed and it's a viral effect uh, pretty soon tens of thousand people can join in basically wonderful yeah 
if it's if it's exciting enough visually and you are right. visually very excited uh-huh so well. so i think it's it's very possible but you have to have i think unlimited wi-fi uh, that area and um, if you are performing in in let's say a remote area or a very enclosed area like a cathedral wooden uh uh, like a uh, walls, right? Maybe internet might not work so well there, but right. but it's worth investigating the possibilities. Yes, it is. Thank you. We will look into that, and maybe you know when we're not on a when you're recording for your podcast, right? Maybe I could call you and we could talk again. Sure, sure. Of course, awesome. I'll be glad yes. glad to help you. And another is uh, Facebook, of course. Uh, live is doing live things too on Facebook. You Facebook's can, doing live as yeah, well. Yeah, you can. Do oh that. yeah, I did. I have seen a couple of Facebook live. And uh-huh. YouTube too. I think uh, has live 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 feed too. YouTube, uh, the, uh, Periscope, and Facebook. I think the biggest three are right now. Yeah. Okay. So yes, of course that would be what we'd like to do. You know, in the future, as we build on these mm-hmm. shows, ideas is be able to get them out. And I, we could even, you know, do the live presentation from our studio, which yeah. uh, wouldn't depend on a church with who knows what kind of connection. And so lots of things to think about, exactly. <laughs> as always. All it yeah. takes is idea, right? And uh, right, and you right. can go this way or another way. But uh, if you have an idea, which you have many ideas, right, Janine and David, <laughs> yes. uh, both of you probably we just need more time. And, yeah, uh, time is uh, such a such a <laughs> thing that we we don't don't have enough probably in these days. Right. Right. <laughs> So such a pleasure to talk to you, Janine, today. I, I wish you all all the creative excitement that you are going to have uh, while you're preparing uh, your new premiere of uh, Around the World in 80 Minutes. Not days, but minutes. 80 we have Minutes, to, yes. yes. And that's the name of the website as well. Yes. www.aroundtheworld.in80minutes.com Org. So, can you list, of course, the other websites and other links that our listeners could uh, find you and your work online? Um, there's Bach and Sons, which is www.bach, B-A-C-H, and, spell out, and, sons.com. And the other is www.from-c-to-shining-c.net. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure I'll include those links into the description of this uh, conversation too so that people who are listening to the show through the website uh, could literally click on the links and go to the to them to the website to check out that'd be great Uh, Thank you so much, Janine, for being such a generous uh, person, uh, for sharing ideas that transcend boundaries of countries, religions, uh, uh, styles, and nationalities, and even time periods, right? People around the world will be, I mean, uh, not only impressed and fascinated, but 
deeply moved by your performances, by your and David collaboration. So uh, thank you again and I wish you all the creativity for the next year and uh, I hope to, to get to know you even more next time when you mo have uh, something uh, new coming up next year. Thank you so much. It was so much, so wonderful to meet you and be part of the podcast. I appreciate it. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.